Let me introduce you. Let me introduce you. Hey y'all, welcome to episode 13 of Let Me Introduce You as your lead host this week. I am Ashley and my supporting hosts are Graham and Katie. Yay. Lucky, lucky 13. Lucky 13. You are listening to Let Me Introduce You. It is a film podcast made by three best friends, known each other since college, so almost 20 years. And we have so much in common. It's silly, except our tastes in movies. So in the true spirit of friendship, every week you're going to hear one of us introduce a favorite film or a much hated film (laughs) and get the reactions. And at least one of us cannot have seen it before. Mm -hmm. So we'll just we'll break it down. We'll tell you why we liked it, why it was important, all that good stuff. And then do some lovely banter in between. Just just lovely. Just, I just like it. I love a good banter. <laughs> I do love a good banter. This week's theme is Holly. Yay! Yay! We are discussing our final film of our favorite theme. Yes. Oh, you agreed. I was going to put in a joke. I was going to be like, okay, fine. It was like Ashley and Graham's favorite so, theme. So, no, I think, so. I think that this was, I enjoyed it, these movies and talking about these the most. I'm not saying holiday f- movies are my favorite. I'm saying I think these episodes have been my favorite so far. Okay, well, we're we're inching closer and closer to conversion to our side, which is <laughs> something that I'm quite excited about. Whatever, you both like Black Christmas, so we I did. chalk it up to a win. We are into conversion with consent. Yes. So. <laughs> Permission to convert, please. Thank Perm- you. <laughs> <laughs> is that like a vague like Star Trek reference? Like I don't know, ask Kitty, she's the one. nerd. <laughs> Not if, really. As if we aren't nerds. <laughs> But it's also our season finale. Oh, my God. It is our season finale. Yeah, we're going to be taking a short break. We'll be coming back. So stay subscribed. And if you haven't subscribed, start subscribing. Yeah, what are you doing? We're not doing anything at home. You're at home. Subscribe and rate and review. Anyway. All of those things. (laughs) Follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Do all the things. All the things. We got got some great bonus content on Instagram. Twitter's still lagging, <laughs> and that's on we'll, me. We'll get the, that's a season two goal, Ashley. Yeah. That is a season two goal. Ariel, so this week was my pick, and we are discussing 1994's Mixed Nuts. It is a star-packed farce screwball comedy with some, some definitely some dark themes and some dark jokes. It was directed by Nora Ephron, and she co-wrote it with her sister, Delia Efron. It's actually a remake. It's a remake of a 1982 French film. Pardon, pardon my French. I'm going to butcher this. Uh, <laughs> Le Père Noël est une odore. Sorry. Go Sorry get, to any of our French to, listeners. Go Duolingo. Get in on it. I do. I tried to do Duolingo at the beginning of the so, pandemic and I failed. So, so did I. And they keep like sending you notifications like, we miss you. I'm like, fuck you. I'm busy. Yeah. Well, they eventually. <laughs> you were a thing in two weeks of like, my life. They'll say the thing that's like, you haven't checked any of our notifications. I guess we'll stop now. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it did that to me real fast. Yeah. Real, real early on. Yeah, Duolingo <laughs> went the way of my sourdough starter and everything else. Yeah, that was that was a thing. Yeah. yeah. I gotta tell y'all, I love Nora Ephron. Like I have legitimately seen When Harry Met Sally over a hundred times. It was is 
my mom and Maya's favorite movie to watch together, which is really weird given the fake orgasm scene and the fact that I started watching it when I was like really little. Yeah. Did you like know what that was when you watched it? You know what? I actually, not the first time, but early on, I want to say like nine or 10, we put it on in the family room during some like family party. My parents like to have like parties or whatever back when, back when we could gather. <laughs> And I remember putting it on and there was a kid who was younger than me, like maybe six or seven. And that scene came on and I was like, ooh, this is inappropriate for them. Yeah. (laughs) But not for me, apparently. The sure nine or ten year old that I was who I think still didn't fully get it. But yeah, we love that. And like, you know, early 90s, it was the heyday of like. When Harry Met Sally, heyday for me. Harry Met mm-hmm. Sally, Sleepless in Seattle. We also watched a lot of An Affair to Remember in my household. Well, this Nora is movie, was my girl. This is the movie she did right after Sleepless in Seattle? Yes. Yes. This is the okay. one that came right after Sleepless, Sleepless in Seattle. Yeah. So, you know, Which as I an have eight, also never seen. <gasps> girl. Katie. Oh, my okay, God. We're going to do. Surpri- what is, what is wrong with you? How does that surprise Either of you it that I've really not seen shouldn't, Sleepless in but Seattle. I, but like, my God. <laughs> okay, I'm proposing a new theme of double features, and <laughs> it needs to be of remakes. Oh, my God. And so you're going to have to watch An Affair to Remember and then Sleepless in Seattle. Yes, those are my picks. Those are my picks. So you two, you're on notice. Figure it out. I'm continuously disappointed in you, Katie. <laughs> oh, my God. I haven't seen a romantic comedy. Who's surprised? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It is a goddamn delight, and it takes oh place God, in Seattle, where yes. our friendship coined the term a goddamn yes, delight. Yes, a goddamn delight, yes. So. Because everybody that we encountered in Seattle was. Wait, wait, wait. A goddamn wait. delight. Wait, <laughs> sleepless, sleepless in Seattle takes place in Seattle? Shut up, Katie. It also takes place in Maryland. And, and a New little York. bit in New York, and like a very little bit <laughs> at the beginning in Chicago. Wait, is oh, yeah. what's that movie with the babies who are geniuses? And the geniuses? <laughs> anyway, sorry. Raging Bull? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Graham and Katie, I have not seen this, but Graham, can you give us a synopsis? Because you did such a great job last week when I utterly failed. I don't know what you're talking about. You were so amazing with Black Christmas. <laughs> people people blogged about it. It was so great. Just a lot of micro-blogging on the Twitter. Here I go. Here I go. Here is the synopsis of Mixed Nuts. Oh, God, I'm nervous. Okay. You can do it. We believe For in what? Okay. Because it, the synopsis is really, like, it's a lot of pressure. But I think it did an amazing job. Let's go. It's Christmas Eve, and Philip, Steve Martin, is in dire straits. His girlfriend just broke up with him. There is a serial killer called the Seaside Strangler terrorizing his Venice Beach neighborhood, and his nonprofit suicide prevention hotline, Lifesavers, is going to be evicted from their building by their landlord. His co-workers are a mousy Catherine, played by Rita Wilson, who harbors a crush on him, and Blanche, Madeline Kahn, who consistently irritable and neurotic. And he decides to hold off on telling his co-workers so he can find a way to come up with the five grand for moving expenses. Other characters are a pregnant and about to pop Gracie, played by Juliette Lewis, and her volatile husband Felix, which is Anthony LaPaglia. And there's also Chris. Leave is it Leave or Liev Schreiber? I always thought Leave. Leave Schreiber. Let's each pronounce yeah. it differently throughout the throughout the episode. Karen Schreiber. <laughs> <laughs> 
A caller who is a transgender woman who shows up at the office because she is lonely on Christmas Eve. So Gracie and Felix get in a fight and she hits him over the head with the fruitcake and Philip and Catherine take him to a local vet. While the others are distracted in a conversation, Felix overdoses on some dog tranquilizers and is taken to the hospital. Later on, everyone is having Christmas Eve dinner with takeout Chinese food, and Felix arrives after escaping the hospital with a gun. Gracie takes the gun from him and begins shooting wildly around the office to get rid of the ammo. And two shots. Which go is not the f- how you clear out a gun. Not how you clear a gun. <laughs> not how you do- uh, <laughs> don't discharge a gun to clear it out. Don't discharge. Two shots go through the front door at the same time their landlord, who I should say is also played by Gary Shandling, their landlord arrives and he is shot dead by accident. And they're all freaking out, and they try to figure out what to do with the body. So they dress the body up as a Christmas tree, and the group decides to leave it on the boardwalk. Excellent way to dispose of a body. It's actually quite clever. Is it? It doesn't work. I'm almost done. They are caught moving the body during a scuffle with some rollerbladers, played by Parker Posey and John Stewart. Yes! Who were the opening scene? There was a scuffle. They, they were in three scenes, all having to deal with a Christmas tree. And Gracie admits to the police that she shot the landlord. And Felix is distraught with the idea that his pregnant wife could go to prison. He climbs up on a building and threatens to kill himself. Philip convinces him to come down. And then Catherine hands over the landlord's bag to the cops. The cops look through the bag and realize, based on what they find, the landlord was actually the seaside strangler. (gasps) All comes full circle. Gracie is then given the $250,000 award money for killing him, and she decides, I'm going to give Lifesavers the money for their moving expenses. She goes into labor with everybody around her. She gives birth on Christmas Day underneath a giant Christmas tree, and then Philip asks Catherine to marry him. And that is the end of Mixed Nuts. Yes, it is. That was a really good synopsis. You, you clearly great. worked very hard. Wikipedia helped me with that. <laughs> <laughs> I clearly just try to ad lib based on my poor memory, which <laughs> by now I should know better. I should really know better. Wow. That was great. You do actually, this is what I love about you two. You end up doing a lot of my work for me. And it's great. <laughs> It truly is a a star-studded cast. Oh my god. That that was the first thing that I was thinking when I saw this. I'm like, who else can you shove in here that's like mm-hmm. I'm like I I I I was I was surprised only at just like a few people because it's at what at some point I was like, okay, it's gonna be every single person, even when it comes down to like teeny tiny bit players. And there were only two people I didn't recognize, but that's also because maybe I hadn't seen Sleepless in Seattle. Yeah. I should also say that Adam Sandler shows up in it. He has a, a bit role. Playing Not Adam really Sandler, a, essentially. playing an ad, a SNL character. Rob Reiner shows up. As the vet. So good. Robert Klein shows up as the neighbor. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot going on mm-hmm. in, this, in this movie. Yeah. Yeah, some, mo- most people would say too much. And I just think it was delightful. So again, written and directed by Nora Ephron, who we've talked about a little bit. She's known for Silkwood, Heartburn, Sleepless in Seattle, Shop Around the Corner, another remake. You've you've got mail. Um, you've got mail. Thank you. That one I have seen. You've got mail is the remake of yeah, Shop Around, the, up around corner. the Corner. My brain and my mouth don't move at the same speed. Don't forget Lucky Numbers. <laughs> <laughs> and Michael. <laughs> oh, God. I, I really liked This Is My Life, 
about oh the Ashley. Love that movie. Oh, oh my god, it was so good with the polka dots. Yes. And like, oh my god. It was Julie Kavner, one of her only, the voice of Marge Simpson, one of her only, and Emmy Award winner from from uh, Rhoda, but one of her only lead roles in a film. Yeah. Such a good movie. Katie, have you ever seen This Is My Life? Take one guess. Okay, great. We can put it on the list. We well, yes. already ruined it. <laughs> um, there's so much it. more to it. <laughs> yeah, so this, this movie came on the heels of Sleepless in Seattle, which was a huge hit. Graham, do you know the box office offhand? 126.3 million dollars wow wow that's For impressive in seattle mm-hmm. so contrasting that how did this film do which was made for around 15 million well this film i should say was released on my birthday in, hey. in 1994 i turned 11 that day <laughs> strangely i didn't pick this to go see to be my my movie for my birthday <laughs> This Why not? Movie, I don't know. I decided to go see Richie Rich instead. Oh my god! This this movie made six point seven million dollars. Ooh, big loss. Oh god, huge loss. Can I say a quick thing about the the weekend it came out? Of course. So, I think back in the day, there was a couple years in the nineties where like Christmas weekend was like they would release like ten movies at once, and this was one of those weekends where. I think it was it was released with seven other movies oh, wow. on Christmas. It was wow. Street Fighter. Oh my wow. god. Richie Rich. Little Women with Winona Ryder. Yay! Oh, that yeah. one I like. The first live action remake of The Jungle Book. Ooh, okay. IQ with Meg Ryan and Walter Matthau where he plays He's um, he's uh, Albert, Albert Einstein. Einstein. Yep. <laughs> I don't and think I've seen that. One one of my favorite obscure Altman movies, Ready to Wear, the his his attack on P- Paris Fashion Week. Ooh, <laughs> it's not a good movie, <laughs> but but yeah, this seemed to just kind of get lost in the in the shuffle for a variety of reasons. Which is it opened it opened to two point three million dollars, which is shocking. But it's got such like a good cast. I mean, so this is like. Big, big, big time Steve Martin. I mean, when did he come out with Father of the Bride? It must have been right around this time as well. Father of the Bride 1 was 1991. So we, and then we were a year out from part two. Okay. All right. So you got pretty bankable Steve Martin, Madeline Kahn, who is, you know, a, a god, and just the rest of the cast at this time, it seems like either they were just starting out. I mean, like Gary Shandling was like huge at this time with his television show. I'm not surprised it didn't do better down the long run. But I am surprised it didn't have a bigger opening weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was pretty much panned by every critic. Like, it got terrible reviews. It has 10% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> and the audience? Roger Ebert's review was one and a half stars. Yeah. He said, every character shines with such dazzling intensity and such inexhaustible comic invention that the movie becomes tiresome, like too many clowns. And I think, I mean, I think that's part of that's probably true. Like, you have so many great people, and there are so many good comedic moments. I I think there are good comedic moments, but it's too much, right? Like, there isn't enough room to breathe, and there isn't enough of the, like, straight man character. Like, Steve Martin is pretty, someone described him as, like, milk toast, And, like, yeah, he's pretty, like, meh. But, like, everyone has a thing, and everybody's just bringing all of it all the time. And they're... It's like there are too many beats, right? Yeah. And you need to have space between yeah. that. I still really like it. Like, I 
chuckled very loudly throughout parts of this. And Bob was just sitting there like, why are we watching this? (laughs) So... I was I was a little nervous to watch this. Not nervous, like Ugh, but like I had heard it, its reputation preceded it. I knew that it was not well reviewed, that it was considered kind of a black mark on Nora Ephron's career, and I didn't really know what I was getting myself into. And I found myself laughing a lot in the first half of this movie because there's some like I guess because prior to this, it was This Is My Life. It was When Harry Met Sally. It was Sleepless in Seattle. These kind of like light, lighter, lighter fare. And there was a caustic edge to this that I guess I wasn't super expecting. For example, the scene where a guy calls a suicide hotline. You mean Stephen Wright? Stephen Wright. Stephen Wright. He's like, I'm going to end it. I'm going to end it. And he has a gun next to his head. And Rita Wilson's character can't hear him. She's like, oh, like, click it, click it. Meaning like, click the phone. And he's just like, Shoots himself in the head. And I'm like, whoa. <laughs> Which is all off scene, but like. All off scene. You, you know, little it, warning like, if you don't. If suicide I, doesn't. Yeah. I was like, are they going to like go back to that? Like, he's fine. And they didn't. And. No. I and think, that was in the trailer. Like that was. was part of the trailer. Like that is yeah. dark. Well, didn't. It wasn't the joke right after that. They're like, if they really needed help, they'll call back. And then Steve and Martin and just read, Rita Wilson just stare at the phone. Yeah. yeah. I think overall. Yes, great cast. And I, I think the first portion of the film, especially the first 45 minutes, it really was like they're firing on all cylinders. There were jokes, 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 and funny beats. I do think it hit a point where I was like, all right, what's what's going on here? How are we wrapping this up? I do think I love Steve Martin. I love, love Me too. Love, me too. Love, love yeah. Steve Martin. Me too. He didn't work in this movie yeah. for me. Yeah. I, I, I think it was... I think I was expecting to have a bit more wackier edge to him. Mm -hmm. And it was a little bit more straight-laced than I was expecting from him. Granted, so many other people around him were on on an 11. Yeah, I just was like, it was one of the rare experiences watching a Steve Martin performance where I was like, I think this could have been played by somebody else. Did you have anybody in mind? No, I was trying to think about that. Did you, Katie? No, so what actually what I was think I kind of had the opposite thought oh. in terms of like so when you have all of these characters and all of them are just like like Roger Ebert said they're all you got all these clowns in the room, you need a straight man. And there were some Steve Martin isms that he did like certain reactions or little little jokey bits that I'm like those are the things that I love from Steve Martin, but you needed someone who was I think more of a straight man, mm. and I don't know who that would have been. Graham, yeah, I felt the exact same way about you. I I was enjoying like the first half, and then it completely fell apart for me. I will say, while it did fall apart, I still enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> I think I ended the movie looking at Brandon and saying, "Why was this so hated? It's not." It's not a bad movie. It's just, it's a bit all over the place. But I, Ashley, you mentioned 10% on Rotten Tomatoes. This does not deserve 10%. It should not deserve to be on the, I saw that it was listed on some of like the, the 10 worst of the year. I'm like, this is not a badly made movie. It had, it, it, there are some ideas that kind of like, needed some work. Work. And maybe this is like a first, not a, like a second draft before it, could have become an even stronger piece of writing and, and direction, but it is not as bad as the reputation had given it, in my opinion. 
I think it's really hard because you hear the name Nora Ephron and you're like, oh my God, it's going to be amazing and it's going to be this and it's going to be that. And this is taking that dark turn and going more screwball comedy. Like that's not her bread and butter. And so I think folks were saying like, well, you just didn't do it well. So of course it's terrible. So you, you know, you set your expectations really high based on folks' previous work and you don't necessarily give folks like the, the latitude to try something new and evaluate it on that effort. You're like, well, if it, like, if you're not as good as your last picture, then fuck them. Mm-hmm. Right. Which I mean, she ended up doing fine. It was just seen as this like weird thing, but yeah. I almost wonder if she had just been the writer, if she and her sister had just been the writers, but somebody else had directed it, it might've gone a little mm. bit, a little bit more, but it just seemed like writing and directing. I feel like there's probably a lot of pressure on her. And then again, when you come off of such a huge success, like sleepless in Seattle and then try something totally different, people are like, mm. What? And it's also worth noting, Sleepers in Seattle was released a year and a half before. So this was like right after. And it opened that poorly. Like that's, So it that's... was June. So Sleepers in Seattle came out, I think, June 93. This came out December 94. So it's almost like height of like it. Sleepers in Seattle is doing a ton of money, doing really, really well. And you're in the production. They're probably filming it as Sleepers in Seattle was doing so well. Mm-hmm. So maybe there was just like, maybe there was studio involvement. I'm not quite sure, but to, to, to change things around. But sometimes I think if like you have a big success and then the next year you have another movie come out, it's rarely, that one really does well. Mm. You expect something like upbeat or even more dark. Like it's almost like it had to go even further in a direction. I just think people people think Nora Ephron, think lighthearted, whatever. And yeah. so it's a little a little blasphemous in that way. Well, I also think it touches upon this idea that that holiday films are supposed to be cheery and light and about family and about togetherness. And this is about lonely, lonely people who are mm-hmm. messed up. Not messed up, but like are are directionless and they're not their lives are not wrapped up in a cute bow and but they all have each other in some way mm-hmm. so i think it also lends itself to like there are people who have to go through the holidays where it's really difficult and we're shedding light onto those stories i actually really did enjoy steve martin's little speech at the end where he was like you know christmas can be really hard because it puts a magnifying glass on your whole life and you just kind of focus on all the things you don't have it was it was a different like end of Christmas movie speech than I'd seen before. And I actually, I enjoyed the, the fresh take on that because it seemed to not go against the message of the whole movie, even though there, at the end, I'm just like, Oh, everyone's coupled up. Everyone's happy. Tied in a nice yeah. bow. But I was like, we have a baby. <laughs> we have a baby. We get, we have a baby. Baby we have a born on, under, on Christmas like, under a tree. And every- and they position all the characters as if it's like the manger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got the nativity scene. <laughs> so what I really love about this film, and this was something I pulled off of IMDb, is that all of the characters reflect Christmas icons. So Felix is Santa Claus, obviously. Because he's dressed as Santa Claus. Because he's dressed as Santa, because Gracie cut up all of his clothes. Because they had a big <laughs> fight. They had a very volatile relationship. Yep. Like, very, a lot of passion, but very volatile. Like, looking at it now in my late 30s, I was like, oh, that's... Yep. I don't know if that relationship's going to last. Uh, Reminds me of a couple relationships I've had. I don't think any of them last, except maybe Chris and, or Leif Schreiber and Adam Sandler couple. But even then, I'm like, you're all breaking up. Yeah. I actually think Mr. Lobel and Mrs. Munchnik go the distance because they're <laughs> old enough to be Oh, because like, they'll die? 
They're, oh, <laughs> Way to take it dark. Um, no, I think they're I think, in their fifties in this movie. Oh, Katie. is they're it not 50s? like approaching? They're not approaching their death. I don't know. <laughs> well, she does talk about her dead husband, but I think like they both are old enough to know. Yeah. Here's what I can get out of the relationship, and I don't expect this relationship to be the end all be all. Yeah. Right, yeah. and that there's some more companionship, and obviously. Mm-hmm hot sex on the beach which I was when we were watching this I turned to Bob and I go I don't think I've had sex on a beach it seems very gritty I just had the drink <laughs> oh wait no I have had sex on a beach <laughs> I would hope so P- family please fast forward <laughs> go back <laughs> go back and go back then, and then fast forward again go back and then fast forward <laughs> but actually so what else so what else oh, wait, do the characters wait, represent wait okay. oh I was gonna say one more thing about about sex the, on the beach no about sex <laughs> So Madeline Kahn sleeps with Richard Klein, Robert Klein, Robert. whatever that guy's name. Yeah. And then you've got Steve Martin, and he sleeps with what's her name? Catherine in the bathroom. No, I definitely her, had sex in a bathroom. Whatever her real name is, Rita Wilson. Rita, yeah, Rita yeah. Wilson. Rita. No. Rita I Wilson. Know, who Tom but, Hanks has the joy of being married to. I know. Yes. I know. All right. So they both have sex around the same point in this movie. And I thought it was really funny because afterwards, Madeline Kahn is just like on cloud nine, her hair's down. She's ecstatic. <laughs> Where did all that hair come from? Uh-huh. <laughs> right, and she was then, so buttoned up before. And then you contrast that to the minute after Steve Martin gets out of having sex with Rita Wilson and he's immediately grumpy and like complaining. And all I'm thinking, I'm like, didn't you, didn't you just have, didn't you just get laid? What are you doing? So I, th- I thought it was it funny. Doesn't work. I guess. I guess not. I but mean, anyway, they get to have the unbridled passion of of beach sex, right? You have I the, guess bathroom sex is very con- oh God, constrictive. All that sand. It's confining. Well, it's, it's, it's good. Quick. The sand is good for exfoliating your skin. <laughs> but exfoli- exfoliating. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, smooth, Ashley. Smooth bottom. Speaking of smooth bottoms. Go back to the movie. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> so Gracie represents the Virgin Mary, which you really sense. see towards the end when she has like yeah. the the yep. shawl up as a veil or whatever. Philip is an elf, which I was like, I don't, okay, I guess. Mm, I, I mean, really see he's that. wearing maybe like, like the suit coat. So maybe because the elf is always like trying to fix things and like, yeah. like okay. Oh, maybe elves good. are just grumpy. Yeah. Catherine is an angel. You know, she's very wholesome. Very like, Makes oh. sense. Mrs. Munchnik is the Grinch, which I was totally. like, I feel like I can see that, but I can also see Steve Martin as the Grinch, right? Like a little bit of both. Mr. Lobel is Scrooge because he's always talking about them being dog haters. And I like the idea of the Grinch and Scrooge getting together and making each other see, happy. I would make cute. it the other way around because the Grinch had a dog named Max who he loved and Ebenezer hated everybody, including animals. So Ooh, Katie, is, Katie is is like, if you're going to get one thing right, the Grinch liked his dog. <laughs> the Grinch loved his dog. So let's make it, let's not get it twisted. Let's not get it twisted, y'all. But that's actually an excellent point, Katie. Thank you. That is, that is, thank you. Louis represents the little drummer boy with all of his... Adam uh, Sandler. Adam Sandler. Who, like, can we just dive in another for a second? This is, I feel like, early, but also peak Adam Sandler. Like, I know he lives into it for a few more years, but it's like, it's... It's the beginning of peak Adam Sandler. And I'm just like, dude, you're not you're not playing a character. You're playing Adam Sandler. You're playing yeah. this Adam Sandler character, but as Louie. And honestly, it fucking grates. Like I it was think back. Really obnoxious. It was so yep. obnoxious. And that freaking voice of his that he always did. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I was just like, why did we like him so much in the nineties? See, I like 
I like like Billy Madison. I like Happy Gilmore because he doesn't really do that stuff. But sure, he when he does do it in Waterboy, I'm, like, I'm like, I'm yeah. like, I'm out. Yeah, I don't I'm like out. him when he does voices. No, yeah. me either. I will say when he did his turn in a serious role in Punch Drunk Love, that came out when we were in college. That's and true. my parents were in town visiting and a few of us went and my parents like were like, oh, let's all go to a movie or whatever. And I remember watching that and folks are so used to him. This was what, you know, 10 years of just Adam Sandler comedy or whatever. Yeah. And he's in the laundry room and he's breaking down. Like he either has anxiety or depression and it was so real to me because that is something I have experienced. Mm-hmm. And I heard somebody else laughing in the audience. And I was so mad. I was like, why the fuck are you laughing? Like, this is actually a really good, very accurate yeah. portrayal, you know? And I think it's just that people didn't know what to expect of him, right? My quick aside about Punch Drunk Love is so that movie was out during Parents Weekend, freshman year. <laughs> Ashley and I took my family to go see Punch Drunk Love and I remember we went and saw it and I'll never forget the looks they gave me after the movie ended they were like what the fuck did you just take us to go see (laughs) (laughs) who did Chris represent Leif Schreiber Leif Schreiber I'm gonna refer to him as Lev Schreiber he represented Rudolph oh which I can see it's like kind of innocent and you know, still looking at the I would like to talk about right? this performance. Me too. Actually. Can we can we talk about him? So, Let's do it. Um, and then obviously Gary Shandling yeah. is the Christmas tree, but whatever. True, Let's talk true. about this performance. His first so theatrical is, performance. His first from graduating from, from Yale for his master's degree. I was... I really liked his performance. I mm-hmm. loved it. I thought he did really well. I think this is mid-90s, you know, gay panic fear of anything not straight fear of i mean obviously we still have that problem today especially with Mm -hmm. transgender people he gave the performance of chris such a humanity that i was really surprised about for a movie in 1994 i felt for this character he embodied this woman so well and i wanted more of her in this movie i just thought i was really really surprised by by his performance what do you guys think I had the exact same reaction. I was like, I wanted more of him on the screen. Mm. Uh, He was just Mm -hmm. captivating. Also, amazing sense of style. I loved his look. uh, Or her her look, rather. Her look, yeah, yeah. Just, I also liked the, in the writing, and and this could be because we just watched Idiocracy, but they didn't resort to name-calling. I think there was only only one or two instances where they, they misgendered the character, but I was really impressed that they didn't talk down about her or didn't really mm-hmm. like, they seem to show the same level of respect for her as a person as they did for anyone else. And I, mm-hmm. I, I really like that, but yeah, his performance was just captivating. And the scene where she's dancing with, with Philip and Philip is like nervous at first and then something flips and they just have a ball dancing together mm-hmm. in the apartment. Mm-hmm. And I, when Blanche, which is the Madeline Kahn character. Mrs. Munchnik. Mrs. Munchnik finds them and gets upset with Philip and says she's going to report him. It's not because it's a transgender person. It's because you are violating like the rules of being somebody in your position, mm-hmm. taking care of your clients, taking care of your... It's not about the person's sexuality or their gender identity. It's about 
like you crossed a line here. And I was like, that was that was a, a nuance that I thought was well played there. When Madeline Kahn sees Rita Wilson coming in and she's like, you know, Steve Martin was upstairs and he you should see who he's dancing with. And there was a moment where she had the opportunity to call the character by a direct, I was waiting for it. I'm like, they're, they're going to make a director joke. She says, strumpet. And I was like, that's perfect. Yes. Yes. Because that's it what. It really is. Because it's really, it's the acceptance of who Chris is. And mm-hmm. that is what any person deserves, yeah. especially if someone is transgender, they deserve to be accepted for who they really are. And the only time I think that, we saw that like slight rejection was when the pervert called and was like, I want to talk to a woman. And Chris says, you are talking to a woman. And then the pervert hangs up. Right. But I think that's also indicative of it's, it's an important contrast for how so many of the main characters accepted Chris for who she is. And Mm -hmm. then this like shitty character didn't. And it's like, yeah, don't be the shitty character. I mean, first off, like don't call a suicide hotline and then start being all gross. Yeah. Um, Oh my God. Second week, second week of a row of somebody calling and making obscene phone calls. Black Christmas. That's true. That's true. Wow. And Hallmark, the never kiss a man at Christmas. (laughs) So much obscenity. I know. It was disgusting. (laughs) But also at the beginning when they introduced Chris's character and she's leaving their home and the family, her family's singing Christmas carols and they refer to her as the Terminator. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Or, Arnold Schwarzenegger. And it's, it's like that rejection from, from misgendering and, and from the family. And, and like, yeah, there may be family around, but she's not part of that family necessarily because they don't recognize her for who she is yep so i just like that they show like oh this person's fine they have family no they're they're not right for her yep and that's why she needs to be with people who are going to listen to her and make her feel comfortable so a nice surprise a nice surprise agreed i i she was one of my favorites can we talk about madeline khan yes because i love her i was realizing in this movie i was like I both love and am slightly graded by Madeline Kahn's voice, but I also just love it. Like, it feels like it feels like she doesn't use her voice box correctly, but I loved I loved her. I loved like every moment I loved when she's stuck in the elevator and she's unwrapping all of the children's toys and she's singing and making things up and just like trying to get all that attention. And I was just like, oh, my God. I was thinking back to Clue, where when she does the flames and that was improv, I was like, oh, my God, did she improv these songs? Because I that thought the amazing. same thing. I, I don't know if she did. I couldn't figure it out. But I was like, because, oh, my God, I bet she did. She's amazing. Actually, there was a part where she has like a little play, like um, a xylophone, play piano. Right? And she's just like, ah, ah, please save me. And then you can tell she's like stifling. Laughter, <laughs> and then she got the little microphone, and then the like the yeah. sort of like the synthesizer, like the yeah. Beats machine or whatever. That was, and she's like, that was oh, <laughs> that was my favorite part of the whole movie too. I start yeah. crack, I started cracking up because I'm like, God I love, love her. her singing God right love now, her. and her little, little trumpet. It was adorable. Oh my god, the toy trumpet. Miss her, love her. Yeah. Have you had a Christmas tree named Madeline Khan yet, Graham? Yes, you did. Yeah. Okay. Good. That I just was my to second sure. tree in San Francisco. Yes. Okay. Good. Have you picked this year's tree? I, you Nanya? know, we're thinking about it. So by the time this lands, I will have had my tree for weeks. <laughs> but this is pre-Thanksgiving. I have a couple names in the running. One is Maya Rudolph. Mm-hmm. But I name it every year, and I think I'm going to let Brandon 
have the naming. Oh, that's very nice. That's very year, sweet. Which, you know, is really big for me. <laughs> relationships are built on compromise I, and give and take, right? Maybe I'll have, maybe we'll name it Phoebe. Oh. But which Phoebe? Phoebe? Like Phoebe Bridgers, Phoebe Buffet, which Phoebe Who's are we Phoebe talking? Bridgers. Oh my God, she's a musician? She's a musician. Phoebe Cates. Okay. Phoebe, Phoebe Cates. <gasps> Phoebe Cates. Oh my God, Princess Caribou, yes. <laughs> <laughs> The whole subplot about this Seaside Strangler, did we need this in this movie? No. It was <laughs> just I liked it. It was so bizarre. It was so bizarre. I like I mean, it's one of those like very so there, you know, there are things throughout this where it's telegraphing like, oh, this is gonna happen, right? Yeah. So like when Mr. Lobel was like dog hater, whatever, you're like, oh, they're gonna get together, right? And whatever else and like sweet love. Gonna make sweet love. And like you're like, oh, yep, by the end of this film, we're gonna find out who the seaside strangler is, right? Yeah. And and I actually uh, I mean I appreciated that Juliette Lewis's character, Gracie, killed him because he was a shitty landlord. Did you see him, like, going around unscrewing certain light bulbs so he didn't have the to pay his signs. money? Yeah. yeah, and the exit yeah, yeah. sign. And I was like, you are a piece of shit. No wonder you were a strangler and you totally deserve to die. Mm-hmm. It probably wasn't necessary, but I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> I also wonder if, separate of this character, if, oh my God, what's his name? Parker Posey and John Stewart. John Stewart had bigger roles in this, or they just had those three scenes where they're rollerblading uh, and running into trees. I wish they had, because I love both of them. I love both and of them. And it's really early in their career. I know, mm. I know. I, yeah, I was like, I want more of them, because they yeah. also reminded me of Julie Louis-Dreyfus's character and the, I can't remember the actor's name, in Christmas Vacation. It reminded yes. me of the two Same of five. them, which I was like, oh, that's kind of funny. I don't know, Margot. <laughs> <laughs> Why is the carpet all wet, Todd? <laughs> I wish there was I wish there was more of them because I thought they were really funny. I'm not the biggest fan of Juliet Lewis. So she, I like her. There are definitely performance of hers that I'm like, what? The other sister? Anyone? Oh yeah. But sometimes she brights up a movie. I mean, Kate Fear, she's amazing in. Did you guys ever see that? Oh, God. It was the Drew Barrymore directed movie. Whip It? Whip It. She was yes. so good in that movie. <laughs> she was so good in that movie. So, so she good. she will pull off performances that I feel like is still part of her. Because, like, she's in a rock band and one of us. And, like, she will do certain things. And then I just think, I want to be more like Juliette Lewis. And so <laughs> I got that desire. Oh, yeah. is she a Scientology? Oh, yeah. fuck that. Minus the Scientology. But no, is, do you ever have that with certain people where you're like, there are portrayals you do that bring forward a little bit of who you've let the media know who you actually are. Mm. And then there's stuff where you're like, I really like this because I want to be more like it. I think that's why I liked Amelie so much. I just saw myself so much in that character. Oh, I love that movie. Katie, have you ever seen Amelie? No. <gasps> oh my God! Put it on the list. Put it on the list. Put I know. I, everyone far. tells me I need to see it. I just haven't yet. Oh my God! You're gonna actually love it. I know that people tell me they're like, Katie, you will, will love, love this it. movie, and I just, I just haven't watched it. Let's not hype it too much. It's the best fucking thing you've ever seen in your entire life. <laughs> it's okay. It'll be. You'll be like, okay, that's good. Also has an orgasm scene. So yes. sure, it's, it's what it's I look done. for in all my movies. So <laughs> I have my little tiny checklist. Orgasm scene checked. Speaking of orgasms, I am so... (laughs) Pornhub, please sponsor us. I have always had such an attraction to Steve Martin. 
Really? really? Anyone? I, I, especially in the 80s, like, peak him is, like, Parenthood, where he pays, like, the father in oh the movie God, Parenthood. Yeah. I love Wait. that movie. Okay, so I was watching this, and I was like, oh, Steve Martin doesn't have white hair. Did he dye his hair for this movie? He did. Okay, he did. I was like, wait, this is this feels off. Yeah, Which Parenthood. doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel no. right that he has. Maybe that's part of the problem. Like, that's part of the problem. People are like, excuse me, you don't have your hair. This isn't right. So, Graham, mm-hmm. I could I understand your attraction to Steve Martin mm-hmm. because I, lo- I love, love, love Steve Martin. But I think he was most attractive in the 70s. Like him doing stand up and him oh. doing SNL. And he tells one of my all time favorite jokes. I'm going to tell you it and hopefully not butcher it, but it's because it's hysterical. And he's like, OK, so I went on a date with this girl and oh my god she had the best pussy and then everyone's like oh my god freaking out on the album and he's like oh my god i'm talking about her cat <laughs> what is wrong with you guys People oh my are god <laughs> but that cat was the best lay i ever had <laughs> <laughs> Because you don't suspect so and you don't see. see it coming. I love that. I need Steve to listen Martin to his stand up. Yeah. I what's your favorite what's your favorite Steve Martin performance in a movie? Oh God. That is that is really tough. Mine is probably Parenthood. Although I loved Father of the Bride. I've also never <sighs> seen the jerk. So Jerk was good. Was it House Guest? House sitter. House sitter. I like house sitter. House guest is with Sinbad. I know. That's a good fucking movie. (laughs) I like house sitter. I like. I went through a big Sinbad phase. I was like, he's the fucking funniest person in the world. (laughs) You can see that. That tracks. I mean, I like planes, trains, and automobiles. Yep. Another. I don't think I've seen all of that. That's good. That's That's good good. too. It's another holiday movie we could have done. Have you seen All of Me with Mm -hmm. Lily Tomlin? Y'all, no, but is that the one where that's not the? Oh, I'm thinking of the man with two brains, which I also love. So with Kathleen Turner, all of me is with (gasps) Lily Tomlin. I have seen. Do they switch bodies or something? So she plays this like really rich socialite who's dying, and her bot, her soul somehow makes it into Steve Martin's body. I love this. And yes, I've seen this movie. It is the most brilliant physical performance I have seen. I watched it at the very beginning of the pandemic, and I thought it was amazing. Everyone should see all of it. It's really it's good. Great. Also, I it's can't so Steve good. Martin being Lily Tomlin. Oh my god, amazing! Lily Tomlin is phenomenal. I also spaced I mean, on uh, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, which I absolutely great love. Great movie. Oh yeah. Just like hit after hit after hit, and this came kind of in a in an in-between between Father of the Bride and Father of the Bride Part 2, where he didn't really have... The only other thing that came out for him in 94 was this movie he wrote called A Simple Twist of Fate, made even less money than Mixed Nuts. So, that movie sounds really familiar. Yeah, so like it's he really was funny. in this kind of like in-between. I still want to check out Elliot's Story, which is another movie that he wrote that came out earlier in the 90s. But Parenthood, though, is is beyond being a wonderful wonderful movie it is probably his one of his best performances for sure yeah i think he's great i, I, I miss him, him on screen but yeah i mean he really makes missteps in terms of his career maybe that i mean this was a, a misstep but it's still i mean as i mentioned earlier like this is not a bad movie i don't understand why it has this terrible of a reputation ashley why did you pick the aside from us not seeing it like why did you pick this movie like what does this movie mean to you, aside from watching orgasm scenes with your mother. 
Well, you know, that's a commercial break. (laughs) (laughs) And now a word from our sponsor, Pornhub. (laughs) You know, I think so. I'm the youngest of three, and being the youngest child, there everybody makes so many more decisions before you, right? And so, like, even as a kid, you're your parents are making all these decisions. And then anytime there would be choice, one of my brothers would win out on like, I want to watch this or I want to watch that. And my oldest brother who works in the film industry and just like obsessed with it really early on, like, I think in my memory, he probably got more. He's probably thinking like, oh, you were the baby, you got your way, which like legit, true, true. Yeah, that's what, as the oldest, that's what I think as well. The babies always get their way. Yeah. As a youngest, I agree. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not saying I had like great choices, but there would be things that I would discover on my own and I would think they were funny, right? Or or like other people wouldn't. I was like, well, I think this is great. And so I don't have a clear first memory of this or like when I was watching it. I don't have a clear memory of anything. But what what is that great line? I wrote it down. It's so – my handwriting is so difficult to read, but it's like – when you're confused, your past is a blur. I think I just really liked that. I think it was when I was getting more into physical comedy and dark comedies. Like it spoke to, again, this young kid who was like a little like depressed and anxious, but didn't really know what it was and could see that there was art that would like help me cope. That would be dark and make me laugh. This was... Two years? When did I have... I was in a car accident with my dad when I was like eight and we were all fine. But the cop said to me, he was like, you know, if you hadn't been wearing your seatbelt, you would have been the way that we are hit. I would have been thrown out my dad's open window. And the cop basically said like, and you would have died. And I think it was like to to a kid. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I mean, fuck cops fully. Like all cops are bastards, but I think it was to like impress upon me, like always wear your seatbelt, which I always do. But that is really where that experience and that conversation is really where I took this very dark like turn in my life. Y'all, I legitimately have a tattoo of memento mori on my body, which means remember you must die, right? So I've always had this like morbid, morbid turn to my body. I'm getting a fucking skull for an engagement ring, right? Like I'm a little dark, even though I like try to try to appear fun or whatever. But, and so I think this just really spoke to that part of me that like Mm -hmm. I can be dark, but also there are things that are funny. Maybe that's why we get along so well. Cause I, I feel like I'm that way too, but people just don't see it. You know, like Mm -hmm. I, I feel like, you know, I like horror movies and I like scary stuff and I like skulls. Like, right. Yeah. I think that, I think, I think that totally tracks. I think that's part of a huge, a huge part of like why we vibe so well. I think also like you and I, like our aesthetic appearances are like pretty typical. Like we don't go hard into like goth, deep, whatever, but we just like pepper in some small dark pieces because we have a cold, dark soul and I have a cold black heart. I tried. Um, I tried. I tried to be more goth than I actually was and it did not go well. Remember before we all became friends and you had a lip ring? Yeah. (laughs) Okay, where do I fit in on this friendship? Because I don't do anything with skulls, and I'm not goth at but all. But we love you. But we need you. We need you as our balance. Okay, I'll take it. No, yeah. you bring you, it. You, you, bring the, you like, are the funny. You are the comedy that we need. Oh, thank yeah. God. <laughs> 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 you also bring the disco. You know, <laughs> <laughs> leaving that in. 
<laughs> not cutting that out. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Let's. Are we gonna do a theme of disco theme movies? Yes. I think we should. Oh my. Cr- yes. Okay. Also, I've never seen okay. Xanadu. So can somebody pick <gasps> it up? I've never oh seen it either. God. Oh. oh my god, Graham! You just got a choice. Neither. Or you got your. You've got your pick. Neither of us have seen Xanadu. I saw Xanadu on Broadway. <laughs> You were so into Xanadu, you dropped your mic. <laughs> mic drop. I saw Xanadu on Broadway. Mic drop. They were on roller skates in the, in the show. Oh, my I God. I loved it. And there were so many, there were rollerblading scenes in this, which I got to say, like, anytime I see rollerblades, it's like a shout out to Minnesota because we never stopped loving rollerblades. Also, I think rollerblades a, a local company. So, like, people will be like, remember rollerblades? And I'm like, I just Cut. saw 15 people around the lake on their rollerblades. Yeah, what do you mean? Remember so rollerblades? In the mid 90s. I do just want to talk about one thing. I, sure. I have this weird love of when a commercial movie that's like not that great you know like it's not high art will include the title of the oh film yeah and it right and usually yeah usually it happens in the first act or whatever this one came in at 27 minutes is when steve martin was on the phone with a caller and saying in every pothole there is hope and then doing a weird awkward thing about rearranging the letters But then he talks about how it was a phrase that his dad said. And his dad always said, in every pothole, there is hope. And then he went out and he was run over by a truck full of mixed nuts. (laughs) And I just love the, like, hope serious. (laughs) Yeah. It reminded me of you guys talking about the Hallmark Christmas movies and them saying the title of the movie in in the movie as well. Several Mm -hmm. times. Yeah. Yeah, they really hammer You know what they say, never kiss a man in a Christmas sweater. (laughs) Like, that is not a phrase. It's not a phrase. Sure, they do say that. It now is. Should we talk about some favorites? What are, Graham, you have some of our lovely listeners and followers on Instagram. And I would just love to talk about just some of our favorite Christmas movies in general. Because I have already started watching. Oh, please. I watched Yogi's Yogi's First Christmas last night. Yogi? Um, Like Yogi Bear? Yogi Bear. Yogi Berra. No, Yogi, Yogi, Berra. Yogi, Berra. Yogi Berra is the baseball player. <laughs> yes, I watched the Yogi Berra documentary about his favorite Christmas. It's Christmas themed. <laughs> All right, so here are some. So we put on our Instagram what people's favorite Christmas movies are. I'm going to just say what responses we got. Our friend from college, Miss Jen B. <gasps> Yay! Oh, I love Jen B. Said Muppet Christmas Carol with yes. 14 exclamation points. Yes. Um, I've already watched that twice. I watched it twice in one week. Oh my God. I can't wait. We have Bill K. who said Love Actually, hands down. You know what? I like Love Actually. It's problematic, but oh, I enjoy it. It is problematic, that movie. I don't um, like that movie. I saw it four times in the theaters, and then I watched it recently. I was like, oh, this movie's kind of this movie's kind of terrible. But yes. I always hope that Laura Linney ends up with that hot guy at the end. I'm always disappointed right. when she's not. Maybe they get back on for like a one night stand on New That's Year's true. Eve. We have Julia A-O-P-P, I'll say that, saying The Holiday, such a good movie. Wait, I do like The Holiday. Is that the one holiday. with Sarah, De- Sarah Jessica Parker? No. no. You're thinking of The Family Stone, oh, I which am. I also okay. watched recently. Like the Holiday too. is Cameron Diaz, Kate Winslet. They do a house swap, and then Kate Winslet falls in love with Jude Law, who is Kate Winslet's... No, Kate but, no. Winslet falls Sorry. in love with Jack Black. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Fuck. Again, brain, mouth, Kate Winslet, not in wait, agreement. Jude Law is her brother <laughs> Is in her the brother. Movie. So they do not follow. <laughs> Cameron Diaz and Jude Law fall in love, and... 
Jude Law is Kate Winslet's brother, and then Kate Winslet falls in love with Jack Black, and Jack Black is a composer who was friends with Cameron Diaz's ex. Yeah. Oh, that's, yes. a, that's a lot. That hurts. And Jude Law plays a character named Graham. We have Maria oh, W. Good. saying Four Christmases with Reese Witherspoon and Vince Vaughn. <gasps> and Vince Vaughn. Vaughn. Okay. Never seen it. Never, Never seen, seen it I saw that for the first time in the last year. It's, I mean, I love that that is your favorite. For me, I'm like, oh, it's good. My sister, Stephanie, said... Hey, Stephanie. Christmas Chron- she has an eight-year-old, so Christmas Chronicles on Netflix with Kurt <gasps> I Russell. I wanted to watch it. I haven't Can't seen wait that. for the sequel with Goldie Hawn. Oh, my God. Christmas Chronicles? This is when I blew Bob's mind, and I was like, really, this is just basic storytelling. We watched that, and I would call out all the things that were going to happen. And I was yeah, like, yeah. dude, they were so telegraphed. Like, come on. I mean, I mean I'll mean, i be watching the sequel this week. Oh, yeah. And then watching <laughs> and also, Christmas Chronicles again yeah, in yeah. preparation for it. Like and, Princess Switch. Oh, yeah. My sister also her favorite is Elf, which yes, I love classic. Elf. I, I love watched Elf. that last year, and I was like, "This is a really good movie." It we is. watched that my this friend, last week. My friend Mark, who lives in Panama, said "Little Women," the nineteen ninety four. Oh yes, okay. Christian okay. Bale. Okay. I actually mm-hmm. don't like that as a Christmas movie, but I like. Let that me movie. tell you, last year's Little Women blew my mind. Ugh, I hated it. Okay, Katie, I want to block you. Ugh. I fucking love that movie. I did we not. Talk about, why? I was in the middle about it. I thought it was pretentious as fuck. And That's my jam. I don't like Greta Gerwig. I, I don't either. I just, I didn't like the time jumping. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't like any Well, of we're it. moving on because I don't want to get in a fight with you. And <laughs> lastly, <laughs> lastly, Scotty P. Scotty from P. College. His answer actually is is an incorrect answer because it's not really a Christmas movie at all. Oh, He's I know what he said. That it's, yay. Oh, my God. Yes, Scotty P. Thank it you, is Scotty. a Christmas movie. Graham no, is wrong. It's a movie that takes place at Christmas. Nope, it is a Christmas movie. Nope, it's a Christmas movie. It's a Christmas movie. It's not a Christmas movie. Listen, first off, or, Scotty P. Scotty P. gets no. to decide what it is. You don't get to pick for Scotty P. But he also, did apologize Diehard and is. say, sorry, I had to be that guy. And you, you need to say you're a your apologies. You Scotty do not P. need to apologize, Scotty P. not a Christmas movie. Scotty P is a great listener as well, so no. I know. We actually do. Scotty please, P is amazing. Please keep listening. <laughs> yes, and if you want us to mention you on a future episode, we'll have a lot of like things like that on our Instagram, yes. so make sure to follow us and yes. interact with the wonder that is yes. our Instagram account. It's me. Yeah, but ignore so. Instagram. <laughs> so interact with But me. thank you to I'm everyone so who, sent, who sent in their... <laughs> Maybe she called Lifesavers. I'm so bored. Someone please interact with me. So, so (laughs) listeners, we weren't at 100 followers yet on Instagram, so I bribed my followers on my personal account, Instagram Francisco, (laughs) that if they want, if I got to 100, I would give them all kisses, and we got 13 new followers. What, what? So I'm going to be a lip slut for... Lip slut for followers. Slut. No. Well, I love hearing from everybody. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you Those all so great. much for your responses, even though Scotty P is wrong. <laughs> Scotty P is right. <laughs> I am surprised that nobody mentioned a couple of my favorites, or maybe sure. just, you didn't share them yet. And I think That's it. That's some all. of us also have it is um, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Of course, the best. the best. Hell yes. And Juliet Lewis. Juliette Lewis, right? And what I literally finished watching right before we recorded this, Scrooged. Yes. Mm. Scrooged is my mm. family's favorite favorite holiday movie. We watch it every year. In fact, last year there was a screening, I think it was at the New Beverly here in Los Angeles, Quentin Tarantino's movie theater. And I think they had the writer or the director, someone, someone not Bill Murray, but they talked about the movie and then we watched it and it was fantastic. I, I did not things. see I it until 
I didn't see it for the first time until like three years ago. <gasps> really? It's, I was late in life to it. I loved it. It's great. Oh, good. But I don't know. It was just one of those things. Like, I never came into to my rotation. Home Alone. Ugh, of oh, course. yeah. Yeah, Home Alone. What's that phrase that they put on sweaters? Why am I blanking on it? Something, something. Merry Christmas, you filthy animal. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Which I did not realize that was a that was a black and white movie made for that movie. Yes. For my life, I always thought it was an actual movie from the 40s no. that he was watching. And they made the sequel to that movie in the sequel for Home Alone. Angels, angels with even filthier faces. or Something like that, something yeah. Like that, yeah. yeah. I like that. I'm going to do a double feature of Home Alone yeah. and Home Alone 2. It's on Disney+. Plus. And Mixed Nuts is available for free on Tubi and Amazon Prime. Oh, it wherever. so actually, can I do a recommendation that is kind of themed to all a of A mini this? Let Me Introduce You? Yes, a, a, a mini Let Me Introduce You. Yes. So I, you know, all three of us met through the Community Service Center in our college. So we all volunteer. And see what, what? Yeah, and it, uh, you know, it's volunteering is something I've done my entire life through high school, through college, as I've been an adult, and it's been really you get difficult. get it, Katie. You're a good person. Oh, get yeah, I Sorry, am. that was me channeling Graham. No, it's fine. I am. <laughs> so, Excuse me. <laughs> no, but you really are. You really well, are. my recommendation, so it's been really hard to, you know, do any of that with the pandemic because you can't, of course, leave the house or interact with people. So there is an organization called Knots of Love and you can basically you go to their website and you can get a kit and they will send you knitting supplies or crochet if you crochet and you will knit or crochet two hats that they will send to current cancer patients for them to wear. And like the yarn is all approved for them to to wear. It's like you just can't soft. It's, it's, it's actually cotton. It's, it's, I, I usually use wool or acrylic, but it's cotton. So I'm like, oh, this is really nice. The patterns are super easy. It won't take you very long to knit it. My company's sponsoring it, so I don't know how much it actually costs to get the kit, but maybe your company can sponsor it. But Knots of Love, totally recommend if you go there and you're a knitter or a crocheter. It's just a nice, a fun, a fun thing to do while you're just sitting on the couch watching Christmas movies. I love that, Katie. That's great. <laughs> That's all awesome. Of our, all yeah. of our fabric artist listeners, please, please do that. Yeah. yeah. So is it is it just knotsoflove.com? Yes, it's knotsoflove, K-N-O-T-S dot org. Love it. Yes. Love it. So y'all, would you watch this movie again? I think I would. I think I would. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Maybe have it on the background when I'm decorating or doing some other trick in my nog. When I'm noggin. When I'm noggin. Katie, would you watch it if you were noggin? Probably. Like, I okay. So if I still had cable and it was on, I wouldn't turn it off. Yeah. But I don't think I would go out of, because I had to, like, I didn't watch it on Tubi. I I rented it. And I'm like, I don't think I would put this on intentionally not that it was bad it was just like no i get it yeah Eh. i think it was nice to revisit again i'm not gonna put it in my annual rotation although maybe i will Hmm. but yeah i I debated i was like do i want to buy this or do i just want to rent it so i thought about it. it does it inspire you to seek out other unknown holiday movies does this where you'd be like hmm, what else was what else was you know released with so many other things it didn't get its due 
That's a really good question. Remember that movie Trapped in Paradise with Nicolas Cage and John Lovett? And it was also released yes. the same month. No. Yes. And it was like they were bank robbers. Who there was one was other one. Who was the third? It was Dana Carvey. Dana Carvey. Thank you. Yes, Dana I remember. They were, they were like they robbed a bank on Christmas Eve, but they they got stuck in the it village. It was really and they, not good. It's not good. No. Okay, but it also like did as poorly as Mixed Nuts. Like all these like these like Christmas movies that completely flew under the radar. That can't think of any others though. Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe some of our listeners will know of other other Christmas or holiday fair that's sort of flown under the radar. All right, team. Well, that wraps up our season. Oh, my God. I can't believe it. Season right? one. Season one. We are 13 episodes down. How exciting. Yeah. So, yes, listeners, if you're not gathered, we are going to take a quick break for the next two weeks. But we will be back in the new year on January 7th. Mm-hmm. And 2021. What sort of things will be will be coming, Graham and Ashley? What what do we have to offer? Season two, we've got a couple fun themes coming your way. The first theme coming up is book to film adaptations. So we're going to do a round of those types of films with our first guest. Yeah, season what? two. What? And we'll have more information on our guests coming up. But we're we're gonna have guests in in the next season. I'm going to nerd out so hard on the book to movie, like librarian film degree, going to go hard on this one. So that's our January theme or February theme is love stories because, you know, love, and then March is hate stories. (laughs) (laughs) And then we got some other stuff like sequel sensation pride films wtf like what the fuck is this movie weird weird ass movies weird ass movies so but also y'all if you have ideas for other themes we are flexible so send us your ideas as well we'd love to kind of take those on also if you want to be a guest reach out again slide into our dms just so i can keep saying slide into our dms oh my gosh so weird (laughs) it is really weird yes please stop but it makes me think about how I was a Don't really stop. awkward slider in kickball. Like, I wouldn't so much slide as I would run and trip and fall. So you can either tracks, slide so or trip and fall into our DMs. Trip and fall. <laughs> trip and fall into our DMs. Be careful that when you're trying to run home, you don't get called out after the ball grazes your chest, which happened to me once. Trip and and I thought that was bullshit. Mm. I thought that was bullshit. So run and trip into our DMs. Yes. yes. And we look forward to y'all yeah. joining us again. Make sure you're subscribed yeah. because you don't want January 7th to, to come to and you don't by. have a hot new episode dropping into your podcast yeah. feed. Yeah. But until then, happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy Kwanzaa. Happy Hanukkah. Happy whatever you celebrate. Hoping 2021 will be an amazing year and that all of us will be free and healthy. Well, I mean, COVID's over December 31st. Oh like, we're going to be fine, right? <laughs> no, um, COVID was supposed to be over at the election. Oh. Yeah, right. Yes. Mm-hmm. right. No, actually, yeah. <laughs> Please stay safe. Yes. You know, there's just there's a lot going do on. what is best for your health. Yes. And if you are in a place where you're driving cars, you just monitor your intake of certain substances so you can get home <laughs> safe. You know, just we've stay all home. Made it this just, far. you know what? We Make good choices make good choices make Make good good choices choices, can't wait to see y'all in a couple weeks all right all right bye. 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 Bye, bye 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 let me introduce you as a podcast hosted by graham veth katie kubert and ashley crone 
Music by Kevin McLeod. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 License. Make sure to follow the Let Me Introduce You podcast on Instagram at Let Me Intro You Pod and on Twitter at Let Me Intro You.